Hello, and welcome to the Federal Contracting Made Easy podcast, where we take the complex world of government contracting and break it into simple steps that any small business owner can master. Now, let me introduce your host, Nancy Byerly. Hello, and welcome to Federal Contracting Made Easy. I'm your host, Nancy. This is episode number 59. Today, we're going to be discussing the 8A Business Development Program eligibility explained in detail. This is part two of a four-part series. So we left off in part one. We were discussing who is socially disadvantaged. And we're just talking socially disadvantaged here. We'll get into the economic in a little bit. So under the social disadvantage, social disadvantage, you have to prove beyond the preponderance of the evidence that you've been, to me, discriminated against. And you have to use at least one, you can use more, but at least one distinguishing feature that has contributed to that social disadvantage. Example can be race, ethnic origin, gender, physical handicap, long-term resident in an environment isolated from the mainstream of American society, or other similar causes not common to individuals who are not socially disadvantaged. An example for physical handicap. I actually had a white male come into the 8A program. He came in under physical handicap. He stated that he was in an industrial accident and he lost his leg. No one wanted to hire him because he had an artificial limb. So that's an example. A long-term resident in an environment isolated from mainstream of American society. Up in Alaska, there's people that live up remotely. They may be 100 miles from their nearest neighbor. Those people are isolated from the mainstream of American society. They're not close to these people. They don't know what's going on. They know of the internet. They don't know, you know, but they don't have the same advantages of those who are in American mainstream society. And lastly, the disadvantage has to, be, has to have happened in the United States, not in some foreign country. Remember I said earlier it has to be chronic and substantial. And that social disadvantage, when you write your narrative, you have to show how it has negatively impacted on your entry into or advancement in the business world. Now, SBA is going to look at any evidence that you provide, but they're going to look at, you know, what you provide. And we're going to give you some ideas here, but SBA review evidence, including experience relating to education, employment, and business history. So under education, if you were denied equal access to institutions of higher education, if you were denied access to those institutions then yes, that is a factor you can use to write up as part of your narrative. If you were excluded from a social and professional association that other students or teachers were allowed to be in, that also can be used. Denial of educational honors that you rightfully earned, you bet you can use that. And social patterns or pressures which discourage the individual from pursuing a professional or business education. You can use those also. Now let's discuss employment. Were you unfairly treated in any hiring, promotions, or other aspects of professional advancement? Were you paid less and had less fringe benefits or other terms and conditions of employment? You can write that up also 
and you're going to have to show justification and proof. If you had retaliatory or discriminatory behavior by an employer, have somebody write up an affidavit that said, yeah, I witnessed this. And any other social patterns or pressures which have channeled the individual into non-professional or non-business fields. You can use those. Business history. Were you denied unequal access to credit or capital? Acquisition of credit or capital under commercially unfavorable conditions? Unequal treatment and opportunities for government contracts? So can you can you show that you both bid on a project, you and say five other people, you were the lowest bidder, somebody else got it, but you didn't win it because of some way you were treated, then you can use that. If you're claiming social disadvantage, you have to present the facts and evidence by themselves that establish that the individual has suffered social disadvantage that has negatively impacted his or her entry into or advancement in the business world. Each instance of alleged discrimination conduct must be accompanied by a negative impact on the individual's entry into or advancement in the business world. SBA may discard social disadvantage claim where a legitimate alternative ground for an adverse employment action or other perceived adverse action exists, and the individual has not presented evidence that would render his or her claim any more likely than an alternative ground. So who is economically disadvantaged? Now, this is something I want to talk about here. The disadvantaged business owner, the 51% or more, and we're going to get into that later on, that owner, or if it's two individuals that in the business 50-50, both of those individuals would have to prove that they were economically and socially disadvantaged. You can't have one person claim social and another person claim economic. It has to happen within the same individual. So you have to prove that you're socially disadvantaged and economically disadvantaged. And that has stopped you from being able to compete in the free enterprise system because you were not, you did not have access to capital and credit opportunities as compared to others in the same or similar line of business who are not socially disadvantaged. Okay, so note, for those that live in community property states, SBA does not take into consideration community property laws when determining your economic disadvantage. Know that up front. So each individual claiming economic disadvantage must submit a personal financial information. You're going to have to do that. If married, an individual claiming economic disadvantage must submit separate financial information from his or her spouse. So if you're married, you're going to have to split your financials out unless they're legally separated. SBA is going to review your financial information, determine an individual's access to credit and capital where the spouse has a role in the business. So if your spouse is an officer, employee, or director, or has lent money to or provided credit support to or guaranteed a loan for the business, they're going to look at that and determining your economic disadvantage. So how does SBA determine financial factors? Diminish Capital and credit opportunities. SBA is going to examine factors relating to personal financial condition of any individual claiming disadvantage status, including your income for the last three years. Now, when they look at that income, they're going to include bonuses and the value of company stock received in lieu of cash. They're going to look at your personal net worth and the fair market value of all your assets. Were there a transfer of assets within the last two years? They're going to want to know that. They're going to look at that. 
net worth. An individual coming into, so an individual applying for the 8 bd program, your net worth has to be below $250,000. Has to be below $250,000. Once you're into the 8 program, then your net worth has to be less than $750,000. When SBA computes your financial net worth, they're going to exclude the equity you have in your business, whether it's 51% or 100%. They're going to exclude the equity in your home. If you own it with your spouse, they're going to do split it in half and give you, you know, whatever the total equity you have in your home. And they're going to exclude any monies you have in an individual retirement account as long as you are not retirement age eligible. If you are, then they're going to add that back to the total amount of your net worth. Now they're going to adjust an individual's gross income average over the three years preceding. So your individual's adjusted gross income average over the three years preceding submission to an 8A application, if it exceeds 250000 SBA is going to say you're not economically disadvantaged. After acceptance into the program, SBA presume that an individual is not economically disadvantaged if their adjusted gross income average over the three preceding years exceeds 350000 Now, they're going to know if you had to use some money and take money out of the business to pay taxes and you're through a S-Corp or something, then yes, they're going to realize that, but you're going to have to point that out to them. Then they're going to look at the fair market value of all assets. An individual will not be considered economic disadvantage in the fair market value of all assets, including primary residence, the value of the business, if it exceeds $4 million, you're not going to be able to come into the program. SBA is going to say that you're not economically disadvantaged. Once you're in the program, it cannot exceed $6 million. The only thing they exclude are funds invested in an IRA. So how does SBA determine unconditionally owned and controlled by one or more disadvantaged individuals? So the applicant participant has to own at least 51%, and it has to be unconditionally and directly owned by one or more socially disadvantaged individuals. So at least 51%. So if you're a husband and wife and you're coming in and you each own 50% of the business, according to SBA, you both would have to apply. So the ownership also has to be direct. If you have a public offering, you're going to have to notify SBA before it gets to that point because they're going to have to get permission from SBA. And community property laws are going to be in there. We talked about those earlier. So when we look at control, SBA doesn't say control is not the same thing as ownership. An applicant or participant must be managed on a full-time basis by one or more disadvantaged individuals who possess required management capabilities. That disadvantaged person that's working full-time must be working full-time during normal working hours of a similar business. So if you're a construction worker and you're working, they work from, say, 6 in the morning to 6 at night, then you must be working around 6 in the morning to whenever you're, you know, whatever time later. But you can't be saying, okay, I work at night. That would not work if the normal business does not work at night. The disadvantaged person 
has to be the full-time manager, and he has to hold, he or she has to hold the highest officer position and be physically located in the United States. So you can't be trying to operate a business while you're overseas. You have to be physically located in the United States. Does that mean you can't travel to out of the United States? No, it just means that you work 99% of the time you're in the United States working on your business. For success, this is probably the number one reason most companies do not get into the 8A program. You have to possess reasonable prospects for success in competing in the private sector if admitted into the 8A BD program. Most people's businesses say, well, I want to come in and I'm just going to come into the 8A program and I'm going to do the two-year waiver and I'm going to come into the program and it doesn't work. You have to show that you have potential for success. In order to do that, that means you need to have some contracts of some sort. That can be in the commercial or government world, but you're going to have to show that you, your business has a potential of seceding. And what, whatever you, Nate's code you come in under, that is the revenue or the Nate's code used for the actual application. So if your business is in construction, but you're doing something like selling something online or becoming a broker, SBA is going to say, no, you don't have the potential for success. So it's got to be in your primary Nate's code industry. They want to see a full two years of experience before submitting that application. They're going to want to see two full years of tax returns prior to submitting that application. If you don't, then you're going to have to submit the waiver. They're going to want to see two full years of financial documents before you come in, unless the waiver is granted. I really suggest you don't come in using the waiver. I highly, highly recommend you don't. Too many businesses struggle. By the time they get their feet on the wall and figure out what they're doing and getting good contacts and getting good, start getting and receiving something, they've already wasted the first five to six years of their life in the nine-year program because it takes a while to build your reputation, to build your clientele, and that stuff. So you really need to have that in store in place prior to coming in. That's the end of this part of the segment. Stay tuned. We're going to have part three coming up. And until next time, as always, be safe. Also, please leave any comments or questions in the comment section of the video. Thank you very much.